Hi, I'm Brian Fisher of the TWIP Glamour Show on the TWIP Network. You're listening to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com and use the promo code TWIP. This episode of TWIP is sponsored by the Out of Chicago Conference, bringing together passionate photographers for amazing photo experiences. TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners save time billing and get paid faster. Sign up for free at FreshBooks.com and join over 5 million users running their businesses with ease. This is TWIP, episode 454, all shiny and chrome. It's been a big week for photography, again. This time up to bat are DxO with cool new software updates to their connected camera, and the drone world's MVP, DJI, aims for the fences with the Phantom 4, a new, smarter, and sense-enabled quadcopter. And here to examine these big stories are Joseph Lenashki, the photo apps expert, and Julio Shorio from Julio Shorio Photography. It's Monday, February 29th, 2016. And this is TWIP. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson, here to discuss a few of the more interesting stories hitting the photography industry this week are two of my really good friends, Mr. Julio Shorio and Mr. Joseph Lenaski. Hey, gentlemen, welcome back to TWIP. How are you? Greetings. All right, guys, you know, this this is going to be a good show. Joseph, you are from Photo Apps expert and G you're from Julio Shorio photography let's dive in a little bit to before we dive into the show I want to get some background on what your your respective sites are Joseph what is photo apps expert what is that about photo apps expert is the uh, the migration of what used to be aperture expert and basically it is a support and tips and training site for all software photography related all apps photo related that's apps for your phone for your desktop laptop whatever they may be we, call, we talk about it all on there. Lightroom, Photoshop, Aperture, Photos, and a whole bunch of iOS apps. You know, I would what I would like to hear out of Photo Apps Expert is a curated, this is the crap you need to buy list. <laughs> because, like, you look on iTunes and in the, in the App Store, I can't keep up. There's just so much stuff that's coming all the time. And I know much of it is really, really great. It's good stuff, but I will never look at it because I just don't have the time to like sift through it. So you're going to sift through that stuff for us? Something like that. Yeah. We, uh, you know, any app that looks worth talking about, do a tip on, um, we do, um, now we've got set up for more videos you can see here. So we're going to be doing a lot more video tips in the very near future and a lot more live training as well on there. It's all, it's all finally coming together. It's taken about a hundred times long as it should have, but, uh, all that aspect of it is finally here. I love it. I love it. At the end of the show, we'll talk about a project that you and I are collaborating on too. So that's our that's our cliffhanger. G Julio Shorio, aka G Big G G Money G Town, ain't nothing but a G thing. So G, <laughs> tell us what's going on at Julio Shorio Photography. Um, I basically took uh, January off to write a ton and redefined myself as a photographer. I've been starting with one camera, one lens, black and white, and uh, really. Def- defining my work based on, on who I am and what my values are and kind of going from there. So whereas I used to be known for small camera, big picture, and I would talk a lot about cameras, 
Uh, I, they are part of my conversation still, but my, the, the, I'm, I'm focusing more on the bigger picture. So how can how can we uh, become better artists, regardless of its photography or painting or music? And a lot of those uh, arts have similarities. So it's a uh, it's a fun journey, and uh, I really the new classes I'm teaching are a ton of fun as well. And what what are those classes? What do you what do you? So I'm about? I'm teaching one class on finding the photographer's vision, and that's that's really a class like that kind of sounds it's it's like well how, how do you how do you define what vision is and what, how do you define what your own vision is and what exercises can you actually put into action to be a better artist immediately and that's the stuff I teach in in that uh, workshop and I've the the, re, the response I get from the students is super positive people write me like emails afterwards and and say hey I actually become a better artist because of these tools without having to buy anything new or spend hours learning new hardware, I can just use what I got and up up my game immediately. So that Gee, me, no, that's, that's that's heresy, though, man. Come on, <laughs> everyone, every photographer knows that in order to be a good photographer, you have to buy more gear and and do what the marketers and the photography companies tell you to do, right? Well, I, I love gear, as you guys know. Like I, I'm I love gear, but at at, at a certain point, I have to decide. Okay, is is this piece of gear? Um, removing a barrier to creating, or is it putting a barrier in front of that path to creating? Right. And sometimes it's hard to tell because the the promise of the technology through marketing is is really well done. So I think it's important for us as artists to define who we are and then find the tools that plug into that. It's that sweet siren song of buying the next piece of kit, right? <laughs> right, right. Of course you have to have it. It's like a bug light for us. I know. It's crazy. So, gee, are these classes something you're teaching online or is this in person locally? Or what? Um, it, it, it will be online eventually, but uh, right now it's just uh, in person uh, through workshops. That's awesome. Right on, man. Thanks. And I want to point out, I mean, I didn't even, we didn't plan this this way, but both of you guys are Lumix luminaries. So you guys, both of you shoot Panasonic, you know everything about the cameras inside and out, and you are... You know, I would I would go out on a limb to say that you are mirrorless fanboys, right? <laughs> As am I, so I can't I can't point fingers. I you know I shoot mirrorless and I shoot Lumix, but I am not luminescent like you guys mm. are. So you guys, I don't know. You had to like bring it down a couple f stops so we could record this. <laughs> All right, guys, let's uh, jump into the stories of the week. The first story is about this thing right here. This is the DXO one. Um, let me read their lead-in. So <clears throat> for the lead-in that Bruce put in here, it says, if you've had your eye on a DxO one the professional quality connected camera that pairs with your iPhone to take amazing photos, now may be the time to pull the trigger on that purchase as they've just announced a major update to their app and a new lower price. So this guy, I'm going to set this up. Joseph, I know you you have some some insight or some some more knowledge about this thing than I do, but... I this this device when it came out I was like okay this is awesome because it gives me more flexibility and more professional quality photography ability with my my iPhone than the iPhone does by itself but then the 6s and the 6s plus came out so and then I was thinking okay now these things yeah, come on the camera's better it has an image stabilization in there you know all these different things that are inside the camera why do I need this? Now we're at this show and they've updated this 
with some cool new features. Joseph, what what are they'll take us through what the cool new features are, and then we'll just we'll we'll talk about it. Well, okay. The first, let's let's hit your first point though. The the kind of still the difference between something like this and the iPhone. Yeah. It comes down to the sensor size and the optics, right? The the sensor size on the iPhone is still a tiny little thing, and the DXL one's got a one inch sensor in it. So that's smaller than micro four thirds, but way bigger than what's in your iPhone. Um, and then the glass itself, right? And then the lens on here is, oh, it's got to be four times the area. Yeah, about yeah. four times the size of what's in the iPhone. So but what, that what, what does that give difference. you? I mean, just to interrupt a little bit, what does that give me? So with my iPhone, it's in my back pocket or my front pocket. If I see something I want to shoot, I whip it out, I turn it on, I take the picture, it goes back in my pocket. So there's when I first got the DXO one, there was that gap of, okay, it's good enough out of the iPhone. And yes, with the DXO one, I can get great and outstanding, but at the cost of, you know, plugging it in and turn it on and all that stuff. So what do, what do you say to that? Well, there's always that, you know, the best camera in the world is the one you have with you, right? Yeah. And if, if the iPhone is the most convenient camera, and it is the most convenient camera, then that's what you're going to shoot with for that fleeting moment or that, um, uh, you know, it's not the most important picture in the world. It's just something I want to take. I want to take a picture of my food. Do I really need to do I need to get out the Lumix and take the picture and connect it to Wi-Fi and transfer it? Do I even need to connect the DXO1 to the phone and go through that? Or are I just going to take a picture with the built-in camera? So there's always a case yeah. of, you know what, that's good enough. But then there's cases when you want it to be a little bit better and even better still. And that's where this certainly can come in. Um, so your, your point about you pull out the iPhone and it's ready, <clears throat> that is what DXO has updated or has addressed with this new uh, the new software update. So that's precisely the point. So... Um, I think some of the viewers probably know I've been, I've done a few videos for DxO um, in the past been doing a bunch of kind of marketing videos for them and I have a brand new one that I just got permission to show it's gonna be kind of an ex world exclusive here, I guess is our first time seeing here on the show so if you guys want to pontificate for a moment I will get that video up yeah yeah pull that up I'm, I'm excited that they gave you authorization to show that on twip because this is launch week for this so G when when you so, you know, going back to what you said in the beginning, you know, your whole idea of less is more and downsizing and taking left ge less gear with you and kind of kind of figuring out what your vision is. How do these things fit in the DxO one? Does it fit into that vision or is it just another piece of kit? Uh, it definitely fits into uh, how I shoot, but it really depends on, on the, the, the type of photography that I'm going out. So if, if, if I want to be kind of casual as far as like the amount of gear I carry, but I still want DSLR quality, then I'll take the one with me. As long as I'm not going to try to shoot fast action um, and a few other types of, of photography where I would need like a long lens or like the macro is okay. But if I really wanted a really good macro or 4K video, then the one doesn't do those things. But if it's between like this and say like the accessory lenses, like if you buy a kit of accessory lenses, you're about at the same price as a DXO one. And I would get the yeah. one over those anytime because it's got a lightning connector and you know, the, the cameras on the back of the phones could, could change. Yeah. And if the changes, like we think it may have a dual lens system for the iPhone seven, if that's the case, then all these accessory lenses won't work, but this right. will. And the shoots raw plus super raw. See, I, I, I was hesitant to play with this. I was like, "Hey, what's the point? I can use a, ded a dedicated camera." But when I realized that, you know, there's 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 a time to use a dedicated camera, and there's a time to use someone like the DXO one. 
when I am into using the DXO one, I'm very happy with the results. So I'm I'm yeah. totally a convert. It's interesting. Yeah. One of one of the other things when I when the thing when the DXO one first launched, one of the things that disappointed me was because I was looking at this thing, I was like, this would be the perfect YouTuber's camera. If I could flip it around and aim it at myself and take video, it's the perfect YouTuber's mm-hmm. camera. That's mm-hmm. what they, you know, you have the full iPhone view of the selfie. You can do your, your YouTube videos. They didn't have that in the first version. They subsequently released updates that now enable that. I don't know if it was in this update. It may have been the one before this, right, Joseph? But they've they've enabled that selfie mode in in mm-hmm. the cameras. Am I am I missing it? Um, I think that, as far as I know, you still can't access the camera though from other apps. So like YouTube. No, but video. I just wanted to be able to shoot video of my. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to shoot one. video. No, not from day one. Not not in selfie mode because I was like, I sent him feedback. You could turn it on. You could turn on yourself, and you could take photos, but not video. It wouldn't go into video. Oh, mode. oh, okay. Yeah. So they fixed that. Not that I'm I'm narcissistic or something. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> it, it, I've been experimenting with the, the selfie mode for video, and it is very handy. Right. Uh, you, it's it, like the it, perfect. It this is like the perfect device for YouTube. Well, almost, almost. It blocks almost, the mic without the audio. Yeah, but the thing is, when you like, I you know, if you're holding the phone at arm's length, the audio, what's going of your voice will be picked up pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joseph, you have that video ready? You you ready to roll it? I do. Here, let's uh, let's get that thing up and running here. Let's roll it. I want to see this. The remarkable DXL One is the professional quality connected camera made for iPhone. Today, users love the immediacy of taking photos with the DXL1 using their iPhone's retina display, then sharing instantly. But the DXL1 is a camera that gets better and better long after you've bought it, as DXO releases software and firmware updates that introduce new features. With this latest update, the second since the camera was released in September, the engineers at DXO have done something truly innovative. They have turned the DXL1 into a miniaturized pro-quality camera. With this free update, the DXL1 now features a framing assistant that you can access with a simple swipe of your thumb. This changes everything. You can now compose your shot without an iPhone attached. This allows you to capture photos in a new, fun way. Yet you can still fully enjoy your pictures with your friends and family whenever you want. Simply connect the DXL1 to your iPhone and you'll see that all of your photos are there on the big screen. In fact, it almost feels like shooting film and getting a contact sheet back. You can review all the photos you've shot on your One, even when it wasn't connected to your iPhone. And of course, your photos are available to share instantly. Just tap the share button and you can send to any of your favorite apps or services. If you want to keep a shot on your iPhone, you can do that too. Simply tap the transfer button and that picture will be instantly copied to your iPhone. You can also select multiple images on the One and transfer them all at once. This latest update brings more than just the framing assistant. Let's say you like shooting in aperture priority mode at f1.8. Now, when you disconnect the DXL1 from your iPhone, your settings are fully preserved. Even after you've turned the camera off and put it away, all your settings will remain intact. When you turn the camera back on and use it in standalone, the settings are there. This applies to all your controls in all modes, ISO, aperture, shutter speed, white balance, and more. This means you can use the iPhone to set up a shot you know you want, such as a slow shutter speed to emphasize motion, then capture the photo in a situation where handling both the iPhone and the DXL1 together wouldn't be practical. You can even store video settings. 
Then shoot in slow motion, just using the DX01. With this new update, the DX01 miniaturized Pro Quality camera is the quickest way to capture life's fleeting moments. Change the set yet since I recorded that, so <laughs> I get it's like we came back into that video inside of Twit. That's crazy. That the fact that they turned on that I could see the preview on this little OLED screen on the back. That's kind of ridiculous. That's really it's, really cool. It reminds me of the, the Game Boy digital camera from way back in the day. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, kind of has that look. That. I remember. Yeah. I That's cool, that. man. Gee, with it, with it, you saw. Okay, we we all sat through that video. Joseph, uh, I know you had something to do with that video, but <laughs> gee, when you <laughs> when you see something like that, and you see these next these the next level up from from the the original edition of DXO one, does that make you want to use this more? As is it is it encroaching into your primary camera mode, or where it's where not, does it fit in? It's 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 making the DXO one more useful. It's not making it making me say, okay, well, I'm gonna, I can replace a GH4 with the DX01. Yeah. I mean, they're two totally different kinds of cameras um, or GX8 or whatever. I mean, there's, I think, you know, if, if I'm going out and I'm going to shoot a lot, I'm going to use a dedicated camera because the battery and the one drains the iPhone and just like, you know, half a day of like heavy shooting, both are dead. Um, so it, it makes me want to use the camera more, but it won't make me replace uh my my primary camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I the the way that the DXO one fits into my world is it like it's normally if when I'm going out somewhere I feel like okay I need to have a camera with me so you know bring my my camera bag with me and if I can't bring the camera bag with me I have to stick it and hide it in the trunk or cover it with mm -hmm. something. But the DXO one goes in my center console there <laughs> and, and if i feel like there's a shot that i that i can't get with the iphone or like i'm going out to dinner or something i just throw this thing in my pocket and i'm i'm cool to shoot so i think that's kind of their intended use i don't think it's it's they put the word professional in the marketing and i i see where they're going with that but i don't see it as like a a professional replacement like g's saying i see it as an augment to my pro level gear that a pro photographer can say you know what? I'm good, but uh, you know I want to go enjoy my date tonight. But I'm st I still don't want to be without my camera, so I'm going to bring this thing with me. Joseph, do you think that's that's kind of what they're targeting? You know, it's it's obviously not going to replace a DSLR or a mirrorless camera, or whatever. It's a, but it's a yeah. higher quality than you're going to get off your uh, iPhone by you know, by far. By magnitude, right? Yeah, <laughs> I've showed. You know, one thing I got to say is that the, the fact that it uses the iPhone as part of the brains of the camera is a fantastic idea because that way software can be updated over and over easily through the the app store and you can get a whole new camera i mean maybe at some point we could shoot directly into visco cam or something you know but yeah. th i think that's what makes it powerful is the software could, you know the stuff i process with uh optics pro and i showed it to some professionals like they're, they're like did you shoot that with a a D eight hundred or a medium format. I'm like, no, nah, I shot it with this, and it's, you know, it's 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 because it has the software and the high quality uh, camera together is what makes it good. And that's what makes that's frankly what makes the iPhone itself so good, right? Is because it's the software behind it. It's not it's not just about the sensor and the glass. The sensor and the glass on their own are maybe the best in class, but they're still mediocre at best compared to a much larger sensor and lens. But the software and the iPhone 
makes up for that and makes it incredible. And that's part of what makes the Lumix camera so great. Why you can have a small sensor compared to a DSLR full frame sensor and still get an incredible image. It's software. It's software at that point that's at the camera level of embedded in the camera. But in this case, like you said, we got the software in the phone itself and it's super easy to update. And we all know how much of a pain it is to update firmware on a full size camera. Um, you know, that's a pain. At least some manufacturers allow us to do it, but it's a real pain in the butt to do. Here, it's just a free iOS update. You plug in your your uh, your DXL one, and it says, "Oh, there's an update. Are you ready to download it?" And that's it. It's yeah. pretty slick. Yeah. The other the other negative that that people were sort of balking about when the DXL one first launched was the price. I mean, what did they price it at when it launched? Was it <clears throat> was it seven ninety nine? No, five ninety nine. It was five ninety nine. So they've dropped that down to four ninety nine for this for this release, which is. Yeah, and that, and basically they've unbundled the software from it. So you know, if you want to just buy the camera, you can do that and get it for four ninety nine. But the Lightroom supports the DXO one now, so you can import DXO one raw files directly into Lightroom, right, Joseph? It's a DNG file, so yeah, Lightroom supports that. But what it's about the DNG. Super Raws? Does this, does Lightroom support the Super Raw files? You know, I haven't seen an uh, if there was an update that says that it does. But here was the the trick, and I posted something on this about about this on uh, PhotoApps.expert. So the super raw file for anyone listening who doesn't know what it is, it's the DXO one shoots four is it four or three? I don't remember. I think it's four raw files in milliseconds apart, and then it does some magic processing to do noise reduction. The whole point is for uh, really low high ISO. Um, you know, typically high noise photography. And so it does a difference algorithm on the four images or three images, whatever it is, and removes the noise. And so you get these really clean images at really high, so it's pretty insane. But the it's a .dxo file that comes off the camera. That is basically a package that has four, whatever it is, .dng files inside of it. So if you change the file extension to .dng, then Lightroom reads it and it just looks at the first file in there, the first .dng file. But then if you send that, DNG off to DxO Optics Pro. It knows, even though it says .dng, it knows that it's the DxO file. It knows it's super raw and it accesses all the DNGs inside of it. Cool. Interesting. Interesting. So you you have a you have a post up about that. Lightroom may have changed to um, to support that, and if it did, I didn't hear about that. But um, if it hasn't yet, then that's what you need to do: just change the extension, and off you go. Yeah, it's it's this like the the pace of these changes in technology and these hardware, the, you know, these new cameras and the new form factors. You know, I think about this stuff, and I'm like, I I I'm start. I don't know if it's age or whatever. I'm starting to feel like I'm missing stuff because all this stuff, <laughs> like all these little microcosms of change, are happening on like a hundred different tangents. You know, we had I had no idea DxO was doing what they're doing, and you know, Panasonic's doing crazy stuff, and Nikon's doing crazy stuff. They're, all this stuff is happening, and in the end, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to switch the gears of the conversation to this, like the 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 technology and the the kind of look and feel of a traditional camera like this one versus something like this and you know stuff that's coming from dji what's the future julio what do you think like is the future are we going to break away from the standard this is what a camera looks like and start seeing these new kind of form factors and and all kinds of cool toys well if we did it would be going back to early early digital cameras which look way way different from a traditional camera remember the quick take uh, yeah, the quick take, yeah, the, the, the quick the binocular, the Nikon uh, 990, that, that with the swivel lens reminds me of the DxO with the iPhone. I, I think that it, I don't think we, I think maybe in other countries we'll start to break away, but in this country, people want to 
to wear a big ass camera and they want to feel like they're taking photos. And then when it comes time to take a photo, they won't use their DSLR. They'll often use their iPhone. I see it all over Austin. <laughs> You're kidding me. So people are running around with, with basically camera bling, no batteries in the yeah. camera. Well, and when know. it's time to take a shot, they whip out the iPhone. <laughs> I see, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't, whether they got batteries or not, I don't know. But I see it all the time. It's, and that's... <laughs> It's because most mainly DSLRs are hard to, to share to an, I, an iOS device, right? You know, but I think okay. So you know, I love I've been using the uh, the GX8 with this lens for a while, and I just love this combo. Mm-hmm. But wait, what lens is that? Mama. This is the uh, Speedmaster twenty five point nine five. So it's, it's super me. tiny. Xing Yang Optics, right? Isn't that what it's called? And I caught the Speedmaster. <laughs> it's as far as I go. You have me but, at 0.95. Yeah, uh-huh. and, and it's tiny, and I, it's 400 bucks. I mean, look at that thing. It's uh-huh. in fact, look, it's compared to the it's DXO. It's smaller one. than the DXO, and the DXO fits in the palm of your hand. Right. So look at that. For, for, Arguably, for, I do have really large hands, ladies, uh-huh. but you know, it is. So you know, like I could shoot from this wirelessly into my iPhone, and I can use the adapter. Uh, the uh, the adapter that Apple makes for the SD cards. Um, but I think what will happen is the, the, the Wi-Fi connecting will just get faster and more reliable for dedicated cameras. Because you'll, you'll never see iOS on a dedicated camera, I, I don't imagine. Um, Android forces people in a camera, forces people to abandon iOS. So if they're used to iOS, it's not really a selling point, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Joseph, what do you think? Where where is this stuff going, man? I mean, is it is it, you know, are the are the days of the like Julio saying, you know, there there's there's posers all over, you know, his area that are shooting with the iPhone and then posing with the big phone. Is that where things are going or what, what do you think? Well, yeah, it's you know, we've seen that the um the cameras are obviously getting smaller and smaller and sensors are getting smaller, glasses getting smaller and because of software we're still getting really good images out of it. Now there is that camera um I was trying to f- remember what it was called that, that was announced. It's got like 16 lenses light. on it or something. What is that thing? Light. Light. Yeah. It's, light. Called light. it's called light. Right. So, you know, nobody knows if this thing is real or not, but um, what it promises is certainly different. And that is a far cry from what a DSLR looks like. It looks more like a smartphone, but apparently really is supposed to be DSLR quality. Reserve judgment until we see one. Um, yeah. But it's changing. It's allowing us to put cameras everywhere everywhere and i know well my pick of the week i won't get into it now and it's already been yours is a phenomenally small camera that does some pretty unbelievable things so cameras are changing shape and size already that's not even that's not something that's coming it's already happened Uh, it's it's great yeah and it comes down to what's the best camera for the moment you know it's it's like we talk about are you going to carry your dslr or mirrorless or whatever to dinner Eh, not really but I want something right. better than my than my smartphone, whether it's an iPhone or Android, whatever. So that's where the DXO one fits. You know, there's a place for everything. Yeah, yeah. I feel I was thinking about the other day. Um, I was thinking about the Theta, you know, the, and the whole movement of 360 awesome. degrees spherical video. Yeah, it's amazing. I love that thing. And I was looking. I was sitting in the living room with my Theta, like sh- like you know, just sort of shooting. And then I I have Nest, you know, the Nest system in the house with Nest cams and stuff for security. And I'm thinking. Why do I have Nest cams here? Why is it not three, at least one eighty degree video that I can like look around it? When it seems like like that kind of stuff, like seems like the perfect 
application for this for for mirrorless or this this kind of next generation technology you get rid of these normal cameras and put these kind of new next generation new new form factor cameras in place to do things that we didn't think we could do before it's it's crazy 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 all right guys let's take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk about dji speaking of weird looking cameras that company is now offering insurance to protect you when you crash your drone there's a new photography conference on the scene and it's called out of chicago and it's the brainchild of my friend chris smith the event happens in chicago june 24th through 26th and this will be the third year and the biggest yet this year the lineup of speakers is kind of incredible featuring amazing photographers and educators like rick salmon brian peterson scott bourne valerie jardin and even myself there'll be cool workshops portfolio reviews photo walks photo crawls and a ton more and i'll be leading several workshops including the time traveling photographer the photographer's guide to marketing and more plus we'll be recording an episode of twip live in front of an audience so you can join us and ask questions and maybe you'll even make it into the show so here's a really good part for a limited time the out of chicago team is knocking 100 dollars off the registration price if you use the code twip chicago when you sign up remember this event happens june 24th through 26th so sign up now and use the code twip chicago to get a full 100 dollars knocked off of the ticket price just head over to twip.pro slash ooc to see all the details that's twip.pro slash ooc and i'll see you in the windy city all right, guys, we're back. DJI, the leader, um, arguably, in the drone space, uh, which is continuing to heat up. I forgot. Julia, you may know this, but I saw some figure of like, I forget how many drones were sold in 2015, but it's more people than I knew were in the United States, I think. <laughs> I, I, I don't know the figure, but it's been a lot. It's a lot. Of, I'm one of them. You know, it's a, it's a lot of drones been flying around. And I'll tell you from personal experience, the biggest problem I have with my drone is fear of crashing it because you it's basic physics. You put this much money into this thing that that's in the air, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that you don't know how to fly. You're scared you're going to lose your money and you can really easily lose your money. So it looks like DJI has figured this out that so that after you just purchase that shiny new drone, um, and you fly it, you can buy DJI insurance for, what is it, uh, $129 for a year of coverage for the 499 Phantom 3. And, uh, geez, 600, 700 bucks you can pay them, and they'll insure the Inspire 1, which costs $4,000, which seems like a small price to pay when you're flying an Inspire 1, especially if you're doing it for you know work-related reasons so if you're just a hobbyist or whatever probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense just learn how to fly better but if you're if you're flying for commercial purposes i don't know it's really interesting joseph what do you, what do you think about this i mean dj so it, let me tell you what i think about it first <laughs> so, <laughs> this is my show man this is my show <laughs> so, so this is what i think so being a new drone owner um i want facilities in my drone so that I mean, you have you have arguably an airborne supercomputer, military grade, that's talking to GLONASS, the Russian satellites. It's got a, it's talking to GPS. It has a, a compass in it, accelerometers, all this stuff, a gimbal, all this technology in this device 
Yet a two-year-old knows that if you tell it to go to mommy, that don't go and run yourself into the swing set first. Go around the swing set and go to mommy. Drones can't do that today. As we as we record this, if you if they want to go home because they're running low on power, they will go directly. They'll make a beeline home, and they don't care what's between them and home, causing them to crash, causing you to file a claim with DJI if you have this insurance. So that's what I want to see in these things. Joseph, what do you think? <laughs> I think what you think. No, I, it's uh, <laughs> good, clearly good answer. <laughs> clearly, uh, it should do things like move around objects on its own, and when it's going to navigate its way home, that seems fairly obvious. But maybe this is a cheaper way. For them to, uh, or not cheaper, I shouldn't say, a way for them to resolve that problem until they resolve it technically is to at least pay for it if it does something like that. Um, mm-hmm. If it decides to come home but runs into a tree on the way, yeah, I'm sure that they've got like a little black box in there. They know exactly what's going on. They know that it was in auto, oh, God, I got to get home mode when it hit that tree. Yeah, then uh, maybe they'll, they'll pay for that insurance claim. No, yeah, you, yeah. it's it's great. I mean, it, it's you know, insurance is good for everything, right? We insure our camera gear as professional photographers. It's just part of the gig. You have to plan on spending that money every year. Um, I I guess having an insurance policy directly with them, as opposed to just through your regular insurance agency, maybe makes it easier to make that claim. Um, but also, it may be that the insurance agencies won't insure them. I don't know. I, I don't own one, so I've never mm-hmm. tried. Yeah. Like I know I can't put my iPhone on my insurance policy. The insurance company goes, "Yeah, we're not insuring that." Because they know that it's just too likely to get damaged. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I mean, yeah. When you when when I look at this, I'm thinking, yeah. Like like I was saying on the commercial side, yeah, it makes sense for it's a it's a commercial business expense. Pay it. You know, it's part of doing business. But from a hobbyist standpoint, from my my standpoint as a new guy just jumping into this and learning how to fly, I don't know. I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. One side of me, Gee, I want to have you chime in on this. One side of me says, dude. Take that money that you were going to pay <laughs> and invest that in training and learn how to fly this thing correctly and operate it like a non-idiot, you know. And then <laughs> the other side says, hey, you never know what's going to happen. It's a small price to pay. You spend a lot of money for this drone. Just drop that down and, you know, you have peace of mind. Now you can now you can fly like a crazy man and not have to worry about crashing your, your drone. Gee, what do you think? Well, I, I think it's smart for DJI to, to, to offer that. But it doesn't cover if you run it into some person or somebody yeah. else's property, and that's where I mean, personally, like, okay, I've, I, I have a I have a couple units. If I were to crash it, it would suck. But if I were to crash it into somebody, I could care less about the equipment. You know, I'm more yeah. concerned with the person, and I don't think that DJI is gonna that that insurance would cover that. So you, I think it, it could be a good policy to have with some sort of insurance that covers liability. But, you know, the problem is that there's so many people that just want the cheapest drone. They're not thinking about how well is it made, how good is the software inside of this flying camera. You know, I mean, that's if, if, if that usually you get better software with more expensive cameras or, fly, or drones. And with better software comes things that make it easier to fly. Um, yeah. I, I fly a, a 3D Robotics Solo, and with that just just built into the software, if it crashes, it automatically sends a report directly to um, uh, customer service. And then you just take the phone out of the controller because you use your phone as a screen, you can call them. And if it's their fault, then they'll replace it for free. If it's your fault, well, then 
not so much. Now, how do they know? That's funny. How do they know whose fault it is? If, well, if, it's the rating if, software. If it came in contact with an inanimate object, like how? Do, they know how that. Do they, they, know? They, they know something collides with it. Okay. So yeah. they know they know that stuff. Um, but Joseph, you, both of you guys are right. I mean, the whole the the big question of this is, yeah, we're 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 talking about damage to the drone itself. But liability is the other piece of it, right? You're flying this thing and you decide, hey, I'm going to go get a great shot of the Golden Gate Bridge between the towers and you crash it, causing a 500 car pileup on the Golden Gate Bridge. Who's liable for that? Is DJI going to pay that? Probably not. They're going to pay for the damaged drone, but not for, <laughs> not for anything else. I think of it this way. So you're, you're basically flying a blender with four blades on it. <laughs> okay. You're, 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 and and not not to be like extreme, but you can go into drone drone forums and you can see people that are missing fingers. Oh, yeah, and, and, and it boils down to the user going into it too quick and trying to do advanced moves and not not learning how to fly your camera. You yeah. know, and and the software can can give you um, undeserved confidence that you can do moves when you really shouldn't be doing them. You know, it just yeah. if if you just slow down. I mean, so many times you see like people crashing their drones, and where are they flying them in their neighborhood, around houses, mm-hmm. around cars? I mean, they're trying to do these advanced moves, and it's like, well, of course, it's going to crash. But if you're being smart about it, then no, it's just like the same thing. Like, should you be doing a photo shoot in the middle of a tr- some train tracks? Not really, you know. <laughs> Right. Well, well, for one, we're tired of seeing those pictures, so that's number one reason not to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I think the insurance is a good thing. Um, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I I still maintain the whole idea that you know just learn. Like I think it goes to what you're saying, G. Just learn how to fly your drone. That false sense of security that you mentioned is is a big deal because I'm. I'm literally going through this ramp of learning how to fly. I'm getting, I'm flying almost every day, forcing myself to fly almost every day to get better and better with the controls. And I recently hit the point where, gee, you probably hit last year where I'm no longer flying um, in like right angles, you know? So you like fly to a spot, turn and then fly to another spot. I finally reached a point where I felt like I can make like Bezier curves. Oh, in yeah, there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so, but then with that comes this weird sense of, okay, now I know how to fly this thing, you know, and I, you start taking risks and I was, you know, not that I was in harm's way or putting anyone in harm's way. I'm in this open field, but I'm like trying to get to know the controls better. And I almost lost control of the aircraft. You know, because I'm pushing it and trying to do things that I wasn't necessarily ready for. And then the other piece of it was part of what pushed me to try things were watching all these damn drone racing videos on YouTube. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's like, of course, I'm flying, I'm flying an X-Wing fighter now. I have to go fast and close to the ground. <laughs> you know? So I don't know. I mean, what do you it, Joseph, you've seen the, the the drone racing things. I mean, how do how do you think that fits into all this stuff? Is this like a complete different world from regular drone flight? It's the next uh, next big sport. It's cool. I mean, obviously, that's a lot of fun. And you, know, you give people these kind of toys, they're going to find ways to have a lot of fun with them. That's yeah. like racing. You know, people We know people who have uh, very expensive cars that take them on a racetracks. And, you know, they get them messed up, they get them messed up. That's just part of the, part of the deal. But yeah. at least you're driving the car the way it was meant to be driven. 
You know, that's you. that's fun don't, stuff. Yeah, if it, if you can't afford a maintenance, don't buy it. Right, and that's very true. Yeah, so people complain about the cost of an oil change on a on a Ferrari. It's like, well, if you can't afford that, then you can't afford the Ferrari. So, you know, shut your pie hole. This is a, <laughs> this is a car that's you know, meant for a particular budget, and uh, it's not for everybody. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's crazy. But you got to love this stuff, though. I mean, oh yeah. You know, Julia, I remember you and I were talking a couple of years ago before you before either one of us had a drone and this stuff was impossible to do like i remember you did a webinar on twip and you were shoot you were like flying drones back then 3dr drones and taking aerial shots of dune buggies doing donuts and crazy stuff like that never before possible and now we have the ability to do that you know, oh well, with, with smart shots i can do an orbit around something in a perfect circle and then I can actually go, I can go up and down as a, as a corkscrew with the perfect circle. And I can expand that while going up and down. And it's all through software. It's all wow. through software. It's like, it's amazing. It's like basically, I, I treat my solo as a flying camera. Yeah. So when I'm using it, I just, maybe I want my camera to go up a couple hundred feet. And that's, that's how I treat it. And um, I get really, I get really good results with it. I, I've been, I used it on a, a photo shoot I did recently for some BTS footage. And it was fun. And it was for a government agency, too. And they loved it. So, <laughs> Was it the FAA? <laughs> no, it was the Department, Department of Health. Okay. So. They don't get along with the FAA anyway, no, so it's fine. Not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, I am going to – so uh, time permitting, and hopefully this is, this is past Frederick, hoping that future Frederick and future Eric Chang came through – as we record this, tomorrow morning, DJI is making an announcement about the next their next big thing. It's kind of like their Macworld announcement from back in the day. So right here is where I'm going to insert an interview that I did or am going to do with Eric Chang <laughs> pontificating about the DJI announcement that will have happened after I'm saying these words. All right, hey folks, it's a big day in the drone industry and for all of us Phantom 3 owners, it's kind of a depressing day because the, the Phantom 4 from DJI was just released today. I'm sitting here with my good friend and a former DJI employee, Mr. Eric Chang, who in many ways is and has become kind of the face of the drone industry because kind of grew up with it. Eric, uh, we pre-planned this interview because you know, obviously everyone got the, the invite last week that this thing was going down today. So we pre-planned this to kind of run through it. You've got an awesome post up on your your website at Drone Farm. So drone.farm. So people can go and check that out. And hopefully that's probably where they're watching this at if you embed it. But <laughs> I will. Yeah, but uh, I just want to go through this thing. I'm looking at I'm looking at your blog post right now. And I also have the DJI site up there. The, the main thing that I was looking for, I was hoping that they were going to add in here was collision or object detection, collision avoidance, so that it would at least, at least not run into trees or, or crash or people. And it looks like they added, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like they added that in there. Is this, uh, is that, was it, did they do exactly what you think was going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, it's been really interesting because since CES, so at CES, there were, there was a lot of activity around, uh, sensing the world around drones, yeah. you know, so, you know, it's very common to have technology kind of move, you know, you see all these players moving in the same directions towards the same goals. And what we're seeing now is all of them kind of arriving at this point when drones are getting object avoidance, you know, basically object detection, which they can use for anything they want. Um, in this case with the Phantom 4, it's, uh, I mean, they did a really good job in integrating 
uh, basically stereo vision. So they have stereo cameras on the front, stereo cameras on the bottom. And as we know, as humans with two eyes, stereo is very important for sensing depth. Yeah. Um, and that's what they're, that's what they're doing. It's very easy to basically recreate the world, uh, you know, wherever they're looking in 3d, which allows them to identify objects that are close, which, which you might in your case, maybe <laughs> be, be about to hit. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, not anymore. I'm getting better. It, it is it's sort of weird. So you, this, this guy came out, I bought my phantom three, I don't know, three or four months ago, still learning how to fly it. And I still love it. This one came out, and my first knee-jerk reaction was, oh, crap, now my Phantom 3 is now obsolete, and I need to upgrade to the Phantom 4. I don't, I don't think that's the case. This one looks awesome, but it looks, it looks like the you don't need to be that good of a pilot anymore. Is that true with these? Because they've got the tap, and you can tap to go to locations. You can tap and have it follow a particular set of pixels. <laughs> It'll follow that around the screen. So is, is the, the days of piloting over? No, the days of piloting are not over. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the the issue with this industry is that a lot of people don't want to pilot. You know, those of yeah. us who have been practicing a lot like to pilot because we have, we've, I mean, I feel like I have a lot of control over the camera when it's in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, most people who are competent would never give up manual piloting. They don't want to give it up. Now, I think they would give it up if these systems were able to do things that they weren't able to do uh, manually, which is the case for most pilots. Yeah. You know, so I... You know, I think it, we're getting there. You know, the Phantom 4, so let's just break down what the Phantom 4 does. Yeah, yeah. Right, so it, it's very similar to the Phantom 3 Professional in that it has the same sensor. It has improved glass. Uh, it shoots at 120 frames per second now in, at 1080. So, you know, a little bit more slow-mo if you're interested in that. Yeah. Um, and the camera system is essentially, I mean, it's effectively unchanged. You know, the gimbal is mo- much better integrated. It has dual motors for controlling pitch, which, you know, helps stability. Uh, so they say, um, and so I think a lot of people were, were fairly disappointed that the camera didn't get that much better. Um, but I think the camera's already, it's pretty good for its size and there aren't camera packages that size that are much better, you know, so it's very hard to push cameras better than that right now anyway. Um, so this, this release is really all about, uh, giving your drone senses, you know, giving it more eyes, uh, more, um, more knowledge about its its surrounding while it's flying, yep. and that's a pretty hard thing to do. You know that that involves stereo cameras, it involves onboard processing in real time, uh, and object detection. I mean, if you um, draw a rectangle around a person, it recognizes that that's a person, and it knows how to track that person, even if the person turns sideways. You know, presents a profile. It's crazy. Cycling. You know, they they sort of programmed in some behaviors and. Um, uh, you know, some intelligence around what you're, what it is that you're tracking. So it's pretty cool. And it's, but, but I think, you know, it's a, it's a first release. Mm -hmm. And from what I've seen, which is very little of of actually being out there in the field with, uh, with the Phantom four, uh, it works pretty well. And that should never be confused with it works all the time. And I think, you know, in, with drones, since you're talking about something that's flying through the air, uh, and you end up with a catastrophic, you know, result if you crash into something, um, you just can't assume that it's going to work all the time. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, it's it's, it's the same issue that I think autonomous cars are going to deal with. You know, are you able to ever really let go? And if you aren't able to stay off the sticks all the time, then you have to be able to pilot, you know, otherwise when that thing goes wrong, 
you're going to lose your aircraft. Yeah. Right? And, so, and, and for me, I don't, I don't, yeah, maybe down the line, like you said, it, it's great to have the facility or the capability to say, okay, you know, I'm doing some aerials of this house and I want to do, do a 360, which it can, you know, the Phantom 3 could actually do that, but to have it track an object and have it fly 360s around that object while that object is moving and stay on that. I think that's great. But I, like you said, I don't think the the skill set of being a competent UAV or drone pilot are, are going away. And the, the big thing for me is, like you said at the beginning, the collision avoidance. Like, I don't, I want to be able to fly. I want to learn how to fly really well. Um, and then if something happens, I want the drone or the aircraft to have the intelligence not to put itself in harm's way. So it runs out of battery. Instead of beelining it back to me through some trees, it should not do that, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I, I mean, I, I wrote up sort of my, um, you know, my summary for whether people should buy this, <laughs> buy a Phantom Four at yeah. the end of the post. Um, but basically, I think you do have to be able to pilot. And I mean, I view it as being as collision avoidance being an insurance policy. You know, in that if I, if my drone goes into return to home, I don't want to hit something on accident because there might be an obstacle in the way. Um, something might happen. You know, I might lose. Um, you know, let's say the app crashes and I lose sight of the drone, uh, you know, from an FPV point, point of view, um, it might be difficult to, to tell how far things are away. So, you know, basically, if something bad happens, you want it to automatically avoid things if it can. Um, and I think in some cases, it's okay if you want to use it to follow you. You know, mm -hmm. basically, if you're in an obstacle-free environment, like you're in the desert and you're, you know, you're in a car driving at 30 miles an hour, that's a great application or sports that happen on big fields. Um, things like that, I think, are, are perfect for follow me. Um, over the water works well if you're capable of retrieving the drone, which mm -hmm. you know piloting typically is required uh, for for overwater retrieval. Um, but I wouldn't recommend buying this if you're looking for something that will follow you through you know an obstacle laden <laughs> course. Right. And you know this is I'm really glad that DJI did not do the sort of mountain biking through the forest kind of scenario because that's not a good application of drones right now. You know, I think maybe if we look five years forward, there will be drones that are nearly impossible to crash, uh, but this is not it. Yeah, but it's getting there. It's a step in the right direction. And, and, the, and the, the industrial design obviously has been updated. It looks much sleeker. They use different materials to make it lighter. They've increased the battery capacity up to what, like they added what, 10 minutes or so to the, the overall battery capacity. Is that, are those things like the, the look of it? Yeah, it looks sleeker. It looks like a brand new product. Um, the battery is fatter, so it's more capacity. The main thing that struck me when I saw the photos this morning was the redesign of the gimbal. So the gimbal looks like much of the guts for it are now inside the body of the aircraft. Is that is that correct, or did they just do some magic and, and change the engineering around? No, I think it's um, the bottom is, is what I noticed as well, mm -hmm. in that it's much more integrated. You know, the, the Phantom 3 was very well integrated from a performance point of view, but the gimbal was basically stuck on and with a ribbon cable attached to it. Yeah. Um, and the only thing holding it in place were vibration damping balls, you know, these, these rubber balls. So you could literally, you could just rip the gimbal off if you wanted. Yeah. Um, and uh, in this case, it's been much more tightly integrated. You're right, a lot of the camera has been pulled up into the body of the Phantom. That's where the micro SD uh, card slot and the micro USB port are now. They're, they're right in the body of the Phantom. Good, good. Um, and, and it's... I think it gives them a much, you know, much better control over the structure of the Phantom, making it stronger. Um, but that integration does mean that it will be potentially very difficult to just buy a new gimbal 
uh, if something goes wrong. Yeah. Uh, I don't think DJI has ever made it easy to just buy a new gimbal anyway uh, yeah. for Phantoms. Mm-hmm. You know, they do consider a Phantom to be a fully integrated system. So if something goes wrong, you have to send it in anyway. So I think the integration is probably a good move. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, as I was, I was discussing this with a friend of mine earlier, like I said, and and the where I netted out at, and this was before I even read your article, was I'm still happy with my Phantom Three Pro. I'm going to keep that. I'm going to continue to learn to fly on it. If I should crash it, I may consider, you know, beyond repair, I may consider getting a Phantom Four. But right now, my plan is to skip the Phantom Four. And wait for the Inspire too. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. hopefully, this magic will make its way into the Inspire too, and I'll be ready for it. So we'll have kind of a convergence there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's probably a, a good plan. You know, if you are willing to learn how to pilot and you're careful, um, uh, or fourteen hundred dollars is just too much money to spend, um, the Phantom Threes are extremely good deals right now. I mean, the Phantom Three Advance is running under eight hundred dollars. The professional is running under a thousand dollars now. Um, those those are the sweet spots now because you can buy almost two advanced, you know, Phantom Three Advanced for the price of one Phantom Four, or you could get a fully kitted out Phantom Three Professional with extra batteries in a case, um, and you can get them. You know, I think the Phantom Four is going to be in really short supply for the next say month, at least month. Yeah. Batteries may, I mean, if if history repeats itself, batteries will be almost impossible to get for a while. Right. Um, so I think, you know, there's, there's some room for frustration if you're an early adopter, just like there always is room for frustration for early adopters. Yes. Um, but, but I think you can't really go wrong. I mean, the extra money you spend in a Phantom 4 gives you all these new sensors. Right now, they let you track things. They, you know, they have a, a collision avoidance in, for emergencies or, or as a feature, if that's something that, that you, <laughs> you want to test. Yeah. Um, yeah, how do you test and, that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I think it's it's pretty cool. And and for me, the the main the main thing I got out of the launch today was that the game has changed for consumer drones. I mean, we are you know the Phantom Four getting stereo vision and obstacle avoidance for fourteen hundred dollars means that any product that comes out around that price point that doesn't have it is just going to be that much weaker. Yeah. You know, yeah. so the the baseline for consumer drones has gone way up. It's likely that you know with Qualcomm and Intel put and NVIDIA now putting infrastructure into drones um, that basically do stereo vision and obstacle avoidance and 3D mapping. I think at the next CES, every drone will have these sorts of features in. And if they don't, no one's going to buy them. It's such a great time to be in this 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 industry. I want to call it a hobby, but it's it, it feels wrong to call to call this stuff a hobby because it's it's you know so much more than just a hobby so speaking of hobbies the the phantom 3 professional they dropped the price on that to 998 bucks uh which you know kind of hit me a little hard because i just <laughs> i just bought mine and you mine bought it months ago remember the, the product cycle is like a year right now i know less, so. i know, I know. <laughs> this is sour grapes uh but anything technology you know it's you're buying you're you're basically buying it for a short period of time and then the next one's going to come out and obviate yours um but this one this was 998 bucks, and what surprised me was like I was reading the rumor sites last week about what this might be, and they most people had pegged the price for the Phantom Four at 1700 bucks, and they this one came out and it's what 1400, 1300? Yeah, 1400, 1399. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty good. That's a good price, right? It's a good price. I mean, it's hard to cram that much new technology into a product, um, and not raise the price that much. Remember, the Phantom Three Professional when it came out was not that much cheaper. Yeah. Um, so, you know, very close to the same price. So, okay, last question. 
is Eric Chang buying a Phantom Four? <laughs> Uh, I, I may buy one. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure yet. I mean, I'm, I'm flying Phantom 3s right now, and I'm really happy with them. And I'm mostly a manual pilot. I mean, I like the control I have, uh, and, I, and I feel like I can fly them well. So um, I'm not sure how much I, I would get personally out of a Phantom 4, um, other than 120 frames per second, mm -hmm. uh, which sometimes I, I want. Um, and, and actually sport mode, you know, I think sport mode is, is really what I'm most interested in because it increases the maximum speed of the Phantom to something like 47 miles an hour or something. So now, is, it a, is it a racing something. drone now? Can we, can, can it be in that category? <laughs> <laughs> well, it has been done. You know, I think it's, it's a really good, uh, first time racer because you can let go of the sticks and, and not, uh, you know, not crash into anything. Yeah. Um, I think real FPV racers would probably be offended, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's certainly something that, that would be a lot of fun. So I think, you know, the increased performance of sport mode is the thing that would, would interest me in a Phantom 4. But I think I'm, I'm going to do what you did. You know, I'm, I'm really happy with my Phantom 3s now. I, I don't think the output is going to change if I'm out shooting with a Phantom 4 instead yeah. of a Phantom 3. Um, and if something happens to my Phantom 3, then maybe I'll get a Phantom 4. Right. Yeah. That's, that's my plan of action. I'm, I would assume that's what DJI is thinking too. You know, people, this will be, and if you're, the other thing is if you're just jumping into the space, uh, my question to you would be, okay, Phantom 3 professional is only a thousand dollars now versus 1500 for this. Which one should I go for? Should it be the Phantom 3 or should I just go all in, save for a couple extra weeks and get the Phantom 4? Well, again, I think it depends on whether you're going to use those extra features. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think, the kind of insurance policy of obstacle avoidance costing $400 is, you know, that might be a tough sell. It, it depends how, how lazy you want to be as a pilot. Um, but I think if you need it to track a subject and, and that's part of how you, what, how you want to use a drone, there's really no, no question. You have to get a Phantom 4. Love it. Love it. Eric Chang, thank you for, for doing this. Hot on the heels of this release. I think this is a coup. This is, is this the first video interview that you've done since the release of the, uh, of the new Phantom 4? Yeah, since the release this morning? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're on it. This is Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yes, it is the first one. Awesome. Yeah. Cool, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and hopefully sometime soon we can go flying together. <laughs> I don't believe it. There's no way. It took me like two years to get you to get one anyway. <laughs> hey, I'm good now. I got it. Now I'm in the mix and I love my drone. So. Okay. Okay. Let's go flying. All right. Cool, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. You can learn more about the Phantom 4 by heading over to DJI.com. Or if you want the inside scoop, head over to Eric's blog at drone.farm. All right, guys, so that was Eric Chang uh, telling us all about the uh, DJI announcement, whatever it is they announced, because past Frederick has no idea what like current future Eric Chang talked about. All right, guys, after this break, a photographer in Toronto, Canada, was kicked off the beach based solely on the gear he was using, and it goes deeper than that. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know, as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. 
And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain. And thankfully, FreshBook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or you know, sort of messing with our creative juices. With FreshBooks, you can invoice clients. It's easy. You can do it in seconds. And expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger. You're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff. You can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your, on your mobile phone. You can whip up business reports. You can stay on top of your income, expenses, and tax time is coming up. So with a couple of clicks, you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP, enter the code This Week in Photo or TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to, uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of This Week in Photo. All right, guys, this last story, a photographer got kicked off of a beach in Toronto. Let me read the lead in for you guys. So photographer Ryan Visima recently shared the details of a run-in that he had with a maintenance worker on a Toronto beach who told him that he couldn't take photos of his friend without a permit. When Ryan inquired as to why, he was told that it was because he concluded that Ryan was doing commercial photography based on the gear he was using. So First of all, I want folks to just go to This Week in Photo and click over to this. This is, uh, Joseph, you sent this to us. It's over on, on Petapixel. Um, so the story itself is is really interesting. It's a chronology, almost a narrative of this guy's run-in with this brain-dead worker on the beach who's just, just, it's laughable. And it'll make you clench your fist and grit your teeth when you're reading it as a photographer. Joseph, when you saw this, the gist of it is this person who had no idea what the photographer was doing based solely on some obscure line in a law said that you can't be shooting on this beach because he was there with a model. And I think he had a light stand, but he wasn't even using it at the time. Right. So it, it, it just like, take us through the story a little bit, just from the top and, you know, and give us your, your yeah. Right. So, so Ryan, the whole thing is that Ryan, he is a professional photographer, but at this time he wasn't shooting professionally. He was just shooting personally, a friend of his down on the beach, shooting some basically glamor shots of, uh, of a pretty girl down at the beach at sunrise. And he had his professional DSLR with him because that's what he's shooting with. And he had a light on a light mm -hmm. stand, which he actually wasn't using. But for the most part, that light on the light stand was his undoing here. And this maintenance worker who has, frankly, no authority to do anything about it, told him that he was breaking the rules and he was going to get a fine if he didn't stop shooting right away. He'd be calling the authorities on him and so on. And it was all because he was shooting with professional gear. Therefore, he's shooting commercially. And according to this guy, you needed to have a permit to shoot commercially, which obviously Ryan didn't have. Uh, because it was so early in the morning, Ryan couldn't call the uh, call the right office to find out if he really needed a permit to be doing this or not. But the, fun, the really sad part about it is when he called later on to talk to them about it, 
they they asked him what type of camera he was shooting with as if that is supposed to make any difference that's like that is that just got me right there that that piece of it like what do you, what what are you shooting with as if they had some carnal knowledge about <laughs> what constitutes a professional camera versus a non-professional camera have you seen the video um I'm going to forget the name of the photographer unless I can find it real quick on F stoppers where this guy does a whole a professional photographer does a whole thing about how the iPhone um, is a great camera. And if you're a professional photographer, you can get great images even with an iPhone. And yeah. if you are not a great photographer, you can have a great camera and still get crappy pictures. Absolutely. He, he does this. He shoots these great pictures with the iPhone. He's knows how to control his lighting, knows how to control his bounce and knows how to use Photoshop. And the end results are gorgeous. Um, so it's to see somebody on the beach. I mean, if dad, who just happens to be able to afford a big Nikon D, whatever big, huge camera, and a long lens goes to the beach with that. And he risks getting stopped for being a commercial photographer because he's got a big camera. That's ludicrous. It's just insane. Yeah. I think it's an artifact of, of days gone by. You know, it's like the current if you were up to date on what current technology is and that, hey, you could do a professional model shoot with this if you wanted to. Oh, of course you, you know? can. Right. Yeah. So, though, you know, people just they don't understand it. You know, I don't know. G, what about you? What, what did you think of this story? And have you ever been accosted like this for shooting? Um, I, I have been accosted several times, but it's, you know, I got but before I get into that, I mean, reading the article, I mean, it's all hearsay. So how much is exaggerated? How much is actually truth? We don't really know, but I've been in similar situations and you know, you just, you can argue with the person and it doesn't, at that point, it just shoots over. It's just over. If you don't have a permit, whether you were supposed to or not, it doesn't matter. I mean, cause you know, they're going to start busting your chops and then you're all frustrated and then you're not going to get good shots anyways. Yeah, you know it's just over, but we, you know, we we can't expect maintenance people or any public workers to understand who's a professional, who's not a professional. I mean, they have to draw a line in the sand somewhere and say, okay, if this person is carrying four thousand or five thousand dollars of what appears to be uh, for a camera, then I mean, they got to draw a line somewhere. So I, I get that guy's frustration, the photographer's frustration, because it's happened to me several times. You, but the same token, you just, if you don't have a permit, then you have no, there's no recourse. You just got to let it go. Yeah. Which is scary that you have to let it go because, you know, if you're, if you're just out there and you're just trying to get some good shots and this person that is ill informed about the law decides that they are informed and they want to, they want to, you know, pull a, I have micro power over you at this point, at this moment and ruin your day. They can. Like a Secret Service agent choking a photographer for Time Magazine. I mean, that could be another thing. Yeah, yeah it's it yeah. really it comes down to how far you want to push <laughs> you know? it too, right? If you're if you're that photographer and some guy who clearly doesn't know what he's talking about is trying to tell you you can't shoot, and he's threatening to call an authority and who's going to write you a ticket, it's up to you at that point. How far are you going to push it? Are you going to say, "Fine, call the cops. I know I'm right," mm -hmm. and then get into an argument with the police? And if the police gives you a ticket, well, then you can take it to court and deal with all that are you willing to do that or would you rather just say forget it i'm out of here and walk away you know someone's got to fight the good fight and um you know sometimes you don't have the time or the inclination or you just don't want to deal with it but sometimes you can and do and you, yeah. you got to do it hey I, I like to um put it out there for the photo community if you got more time and more money than a city that you live in totally totally go for it because we could as a community could use your help 
But when it boils down to time and money, I think most of us are just going to kind of put up our hands and, and get upset and walk away. I mean, right. well, I, I don't know what else could be done. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I can see both sides of it. Yeah. Joseph is saying, Hey, fight for your right to party. And G is saying, you know, I fight authority, but authority always wins. Right. What do you do? If, if you got, if you got more money and more time, you could totally do it, but you know, or you could just kind of go leave the beach, go get a, a morning cocktail and an hour later, go back out on the beach and finish your shoot. Wait, what's what? What exactly is a morning cocktail again? <laughs> Anything you drink in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How you guys roll in Texas, man. But dang, <laughs> that's that's a margarita, but it has a yellow umbrella in it instead of there a red. <laughs> it's now it's okay by church and state, so it's good. <laughs> what's the matter, Freddie? Never right. had a Bloody Mary. Come on, that's a perfect perfect breakfast beverage. There you go. Most of the Bloody Mary, man. It's like I don't know why. I don't know why. All right, guys. Well, Joseph, thanks for forwarding us that story uh, from from Petapixel. That was that was really interesting. I love the I love those kind of controversial stories. Um, all right, guys. Let's jump into the picks of the week. This is the segment where you guys can recommend something to the Twip Army as long as it is somehow related to photography. Julio Shoria, I'm gonna let you go first, man. What's your pick of the week? My I have two, so I'll go and kind of go quick. But my pick of the week is the Atomus Shogun, mm. which is a solid state recorder for the GH4 and other cameras. Um, I used it recently on the shoot to help take, uh, first of all, took the signal from the GH4, the video signal, and gave me an uncompressed ProRes file. So it, the image quality is gorgeous. It's the best you're going to get out of the GH4. And then on top of that, I was able to feed the signal about 50 feet away to a, a video village where the client, um, the clients could look at what I was shooting on a large 17-inch monitor. So it was handy. I mean, once it's all set up, you plug it in HDMI, you got a battery on there and you're rocking. So nice. it's, it's a wonderful device, especially, especially at that price point. All right. What, what's the price point again? Um, what's that? Yeah. Through HD, um, HD SDI. So it's a cord. It's not wireless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but you can go up to, I mean, you can easily do a hundred feet with it. So. It's, wow. it's, you know, on the shoot, I was like, okay, well, we could use a red and use a, a red camera solution and it would have put us $5,000 over budget, or I could have just used a GH4 and a Shogun. And that's what we ended up going with. And the clients love the work, they love the images. I was able to use the images right away because it took the, the SSD out of the back of the, the Shogun and downloaded at USB three speeds to a, a RAID and I was editing it. Nice. I mean, it's nice. phenomenal. All right, phenomenal at what price? Fourteen ninety five. Fourteen dollars and ninety five cents. No. I'm going to buy that. No, thing. no, fourteen hundred. But I mean, this is a, <laughs> this is a device that only a few years ago didn't even exist really for any yeah. price. Yeah, man, you know, I love that. And it's, yeah, these these are the tools, right? So these are that's it's when you when you talk to people and they're like, hey, I'm going to get into this 4K video. I'm going to shoot pro and all this stuff. This is part of the kit that you need in order to shoot pro. Right. It's not mm -hmm. just the little red button on the camera, which you can do a lot of a lot with that. Mm -hmm. But that's not it. If you want to kick it up to like these cinematographer levels, like the stuff that you're shooting and Joseph shoots, right, that you need these kinds of tools if you want to get those kinds of shots. Right. When you when you need it, you need it. A Shogun's not something I use every day, but, you know, when I need it, it that's the only solution. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 
All right. Well, thanks for that. Fourteen dollars and ninety-five. I mean, <laughs> one thousand four hundred ninety-nine. Fifteen hundred bucks for that, uh, which is a small investment because these these types of things like that that display is not like you're going to be upgrading that every year, right? Right. It's not. You're going to buy that and you're going to use it until it breaks, and then you're going to either get it fixed or buy another one, right? Yeah, and they've updated this with many firmware updates, adding all sorts of new features. Now you can have your own built-in looks. And you can show the client what the look is going to be in, in post or not. I mean, and what you record. I mean, there's so much flexibility to it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add to that that they have a lower cost version of that, um, which I own, which is the Ninja Assassin. And the only difference is it drops the SDI ports off mm-hmm. of it. So if you don't need SDI in or out, then the uh, the Ninja Assassin's a thousand dollars. So it's you know third less, and that's it's incredible. Same thing, ProRes four two two HQ. Um, it's it's an incredible device. All right. Well, cool. Well, gee, thanks for that, man. Awesome. You bet. All right, Joseph, uh, what about you? Speaking of incredible devices, what do you have to share with the TWIP Army? <laughs> so apparently you picked this already a few weeks ago, but that's okay. I'm going to pick it again anyway. This yes. is this is the DJI Osmo. This device is made by the same company we were talking about earlier that does the uh, the drones. And it's got the same crazy stabilization technology in it that's in the drones. And it is unbelievable how stable this thing is we shot if uh, you saw the video for the dx01 earlier all those moving shots were shot with the osmo here uh it's and they're just so steady so smooth it's pretty slick so i know you're you've got the screen up if you want to go back to my uh to my picture for a minute here you'll see how this thing is moving as i move it around <clears throat> how the head is just staring at the screen there it doesn't matter where i put it it's just staring at the same place and that's it's kind of creepy, frankly. <laughs> it is kind of creepy. I mean, they should put some eyelashes on that it's thing. Looking it looks at like you. an eyeball. <laughs> no, it's this thing is so incredibly cool. So yeah, I'm loving this yeah. thing. Uh, you know, I was able to get up and running with it really quickly. Uh, you know, it takes a little getting used to to get good smooth movement, so that you just just so you know how to control it. But uh, you know, a few test runs with it and got a hang of it, and yeah, I'm really impressed with the results. And it shoots 4K. Hello. <laughs> yeah it, it, it shoots 4k and it shoots stills and and you know what's cool about that i was thinking about the other day is you know it will do it has that panoramic mode either 360 or 180 where you can just set it and hit the button and it will robotically turn the head to get perfectly stitched stabilized images across the span i was thinking it's just software right they should be able to program that thing to do a grid right mm. so it should be able to do like multiple rows perfectly and then stitch them together to give you gigapixel photography. Right. Why not? There this you is go. Software. Why not? Why not? Oh, yeah. yeah. We were doing on the, um, I like it. I like it. on the bike shots in the, the DX01 video. So I've got the bike mount for this and this was mounted onto one of the bicycles. So you see the two bikes going, there's a third bike behind him. This got the Osmo on it. And we're playing with the different modes and there's a mode where you you tell it to point one direction and it stays pointed that way they ended up not being good for the shot but we tried it so the cyclists are go down a hill and the camera stays pointing at the same direction then of course they have to turn around and come back up so they turn around to come back up and the camera just turns around continuously pointing the same direction pointing down the hill and so the cyclist is riding back up and the camera's pointing straight at him because that's down the hill it's pointing the direction Mm. it's supposed to it's like oh my god that thing is so cool that is cool. That is cool. I mean, it's another example of the shape of things to come, right? Or the unpredictable shape of things to come. Who knew that we we're going to get a camera that could do this? 
And you know, it, and again, this is this is in the sim in a similar vein as the DXO one, right? Because the DXO one uses the iPhone as the brains and the display. This guy uses the iPhone as the brains and the display with the addition of a gimbal, uh, you know, a, what a three-axis gimbal on this to stabilize the footage as well. So I don't know. I mean, it's lots of cool toys to play with, and it, I, you know, what I want to see to both of you guys, I want to see. Like, Joseph, you've started doing this, and gee, I'm sure you're doing this as well. I want to see stories that are created that weren't able to be created before with this new technology. Like with the Theta, with the 360 degree mm -hmm. cameras. Right now, we're in that honeymoon period of, hey, look, it's 360. You can look around, you know. I want to see something that the fact that you can look around is an afterthought it is part of the overall story it's part of the narrative instead of being a demonstration of technology which is what we're seeing when you get new toys everything becomes a demonstration of the technology mm -hmm. i want to see a story being told with this stuff you know so i'm throwing the gauntlet down to both of you so make it happen <laughs> what's interesting to me is that there's all this amazing camera technology and photo technology and none of it comes from traditional camera and photo companies yeah. So that that's that's a big turning of the tide right there. I mean, it's I mean, we're, why isn't that a Canon or Nikon Osimo? You know, I mean, maybe we'll see a Canon Osimo, and they'll just use an A instead of an O. Osimo, um, <laughs> which was on South Park, I think. Uh, but yeah. but well, Canon I, Canon Canon announced the new ADD, which someone told me online that it should have been called the A letter DD ADD. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so. But it's funny, it, funny, funny. It's interesting All how right. that's changing. I mean, the cameras have really become a paintbrush, and so now it is, like you said, what's you have these paintbrushes. How is that going to help you be a better artist? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, we're we're, but it's weird because we're constantly in this period of new tools coming out or existing tools being updated, like the DXO one. Right? It's a it's a tool that's been out for a, for a couple of minutes, and now it's updated and it's got new capabilities, which means we need to learn this new tool. And you have to learn the tool and figure out what the capabilities are before you can start even ideating and, and coming up with stories around the new capabilities that you have. And by the time you get to the point that, oh, I get it. Look at all this cool stuff. I want to start this story. Now you got new tools and new updates to the old tools. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. we're we're like you know we're Fred Flintstone on the treadmill here. So you know, and Julio like to bring it full circle. That's what you were talking about in the beginning of the show of just kind of casting all this stuff aside and concentrating on the vision and the story, right? Yeah, because the gear is going to plug into that. If if there's anything that I get, uh, there are, whether it's it's on loan or I'm going to buy it, if if it's something I got to spend more than an hour learning the basics, then I just bypass. I just I don't. Yeah. I mean, unless it's something where like like say like Photoshop, or which I know that I'll be using for years and years and years. Obviously, I'm going to put more than an hour in, but everything you should know within an hour, the basics. Yeah. No, no, I hear you. All right, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up. I have a pick of the week this week. I don't normally have a pick, but this week I have one and it's this guy. You may have seen this. This is the, mm. can you see that? This is the platypod, the platypod pro. And what it is, is when you buy this thing, you don't get this tripod head on and you get this plate with mounts for your, you know, for your tripod head or for a, uh, 
you know, a traditional tripod mount here. And this thing, it's deceptively small because it just slides into any pocket in your bag. And I'm gonna sh I'm gonna screen share here and show you what it looks like in action, if I can find it. Here it is. Um, so what it looks like is this, right? So it's just a little foot. I mean, just think of it as a foot for your for your camera, and it's deceptively simple because normally when you're when you're out and about you you feel compelled to have a tripod with you or or some sort of mount with you so you can get the shots that are required by tripod or if you're shooting video of some sort and you need to stabilize the camera of course you're going to have to have your tripod with you but if you're in this whole this whole world of less is more and you know you don't want to carry this big camera bag you don't want to you know lug around a tripod this thing stays in my bag and I can stick my camera on top of it, stick it on top of a table, and I'm recording fully stabilized video, no matter what. So it's it's interesting. It's different. When I first got it, I was thinking, okay, why would I use this over my, you know, my Gorilla Pods or whatever? The Gorilla Pods also are relatively bulky. This thing literally slips into a pocket in my bag, and I can I can continue shooting with it. So. Yeah, when it, I thought this deserved to be a pick of the week because it's actually really, really cool. And it's one of those solutions that's like, duh, of course, <laughs> you know, I need that thing. And it should have been in my bag all along. So it's called the Platypod Pro. And uh, yeah, we'll link to the site and all that stuff in the uh, in the show notes for this episode. Um, I'm looking at the site now to find out what the price is. So the the base plate itself is, wait for it. $29.95. So 30 bucks for this plate that I have here. And it's, uh, you know, it works well. Or you can spend 45 bucks or $44.95 and get two of them and put in, you know, give one to your wife, G. And you're, there you go. you're rocking and rolling. <laughs> oh, I almost lost my camera. All right, guys, uh, we are at the end. We are at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. Joseph Linaski, also known as Photo Joseph, where can people go to keep up with you? Photo Joseph on all the socials and photoapps.expert as well, on, also on all the socials. Awesome. And the site's going well? Site's going well. Awesome. Kicking butt. Julio Shorio, what about you? Where would you like people to go to keep up with? Uh, you can go to julioshorio.com, or if you want to go direct to the blog, just go to, to creatorspath.org. Creatorspath.org. Yes, that's, that's new. It's the start of something that's the next continuation after uh, the workshops and the whole bit. Creator, see, I feel like you need to have like a brown, like or an orange robe on and a and a stick. And I've got know. I've got the pipe, so I'm almost there. I'll be like, hello, welcome. <laughs> Exactly. You have to speak in Yodaisms. Yes. Yeah. Hey, G. I like cool, the man. I like the portrait you've got of yourself there on the on that website. Yeah, that's yeah, that's nice, huh? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, you can't you can't throw that out there and not have me go to it. I that was shot it. by Joseph. And which Michael, one is it? Wait. It, it, where is it? Where is the shot? It's on my about page. It's it's it's. We're just Joseph. on the landing page. Scroll down to the to the bottom, like halfway down. You see him on the right. It's just a headshot. Okay. This guy right here? That guy right there. <laughs> Look at that shot. Look at that. How can you not trust that face right there? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Would you shoot this with, Joseph? That looks fantastic. That's a great portrait. That is the GH4 and the Noctocron lens, the 45 1.2. Of course, it's the Noctocron lens. Mm. What else could it be other than that Noctocron? 
such a good lens. It is. It is. It is. All right, fellas. Thank you both for coming on the show. We're at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. I want to thank our sponsor, Fresh Books, for their support. Also, be sure to visit our website over at thisweekinphoto.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook and also subscribe to our YouTube channel on which you can comment, like, and subscribe. And with that, guys, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn. With technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. <laughs>